Welcome to The Investigation. I'm senior executive producer Chris Blasto, and I'm joined here by John Santucci, the senior investigative reporter covering Trump, and our special guest, Mary Bruce, senior congressional correspondent. ABC News had a big interview over the last week with Donald Trump and George Stephanopoulos, and it was a big special on Sunday night for the network. And we're going to talk more and listen to some of the bites from the interview with our team. You know what? Nobody even brings Russia up anymore. What bothers me is when you did nothing wrong and they have a phony witch hunt. That bothers me. Then Mueller, who hates Trump, he's a never-Trumper, and then he puts what 18 people on. What evidence do you have that he hates you? George. Well, I know he hates me. And then he puts 18 people on who are Democrats. Not all Democrats. Well, they're very close, and they were contributor to Hillary, and some of them even worked for Hillary Clinton. You've called, he you was called Robert Mueller honorable. Why, did, and that, why the switch? I'm not switching or anything. I, I would hope he's honorable, but you know what? Uh, he gave us no collusion. That was a very big thing. He did not frankly, say that. Frankly, he did say that. He, he said explicitly there was no didn't look at collusion. He, he said there was the no. Report. I did. He said that he, there was insufficient evidence to say read there was the a conspiracy. Read, read the every conclusion page. of the report. So, what do you make of that, Mary? The president's answer to that. Well, I do think it's interesting how many times he clearly wanted to bring up the Mueller report. It seemed in watching our special, and John knows this better than anyone because he was there for all 30 of those hours, but it just seemed that the president, even unprompted, just couldn't let it go. He just wanted to constantly... You know, bring it up, relive this history. And in some ways, it seemed like he was trying to set his record straight. It's funny. One of the things that we got, um, you know, obviously, when you air these specials, everybody's got an opinion. Um, And as the special was airing on Sunday night, uh, we were getting real time reaction uh, from the Trump world. And one of the things they said, several people said to me, you know, to our credit, we let those moments play out that you were able to see that he'd be talking about topic X with George. And somehow it would go to spinning the conversation to, well, and the media hates me. The media is terrible. The fake news, kind of like the fake witch hunt with Russia. And he just took the conversation to Mueller. It happened multiple times on multiple days. We were with him Tuesday and Wednesday last week. Um, And to see those moments play out, I think you just get a feeling that this is still gnawing on him because of the fact that Congress is still moving forward. Yeah, and he's the one who's pivoting to that issue, right? I mean, obviously, George had plenty of questions on this topic, but it was interesting even, you know, when they were in the car or when they're they're out on the road as he's campaigning, that he, the president, was the one who was pivoting off into this issue. Yeah, and I do think that part of the thing that was interesting, too, to your point, is that George, at some moments, was saying, "Okay, well, we'll, we're going to get get to to that. We'll get to it. Because obviously that is a huge topic that you want to spend the right amount of time on. And to George's credit, when the president went there with us in the Oval Office, which we didn't really think we were going to talk about it at that point in time because we had so much more time with him to come. George was like, all right, let's do it. It is interesting because on one hand, the president is trying to argue, look, case closed. He repeats very often, no collusion, no obstruction, even if that's not not the case. But the president is trying to move past it. And yet, on on the other hand, it's very clear that it is still a thorn in his side and he's not quite ready to let it go. But he seems to not listen to the actual facts when George brings it up. He he He's unfazed by it. Every well, time George yeah. tried to correct him, that's not in the report. That's not true. That's not what he said. And But he just keeps going. He just tries to, you know, say these are the facts that I believe. 
Right. right. Well, listen, I mean, Chris, you remember that long weekend we had here waiting for the summary report or summary letter to come out from the attorney general. As soon as we saw the way the attorney general cast it, that was the way that Donald Trump was going to spin it. That was the narrative that he wanted to put out there. So for Trump, it doesn't matter if the story changed. If he found the version he likes, that's what we're going to hear on repeat over and over again. And guess what? For 30 hours last week, that's exactly what we heard. Um, I actually think, though, that there were some interesting comparisons we were able to get out of this interview. And one of the things that George uh, spoke to the president about was comparing Richard Nixon. A lot of evidence, including the episode where you ask your White House counsel, Don McGahn, you tell him Mueller has to go. You call him twice yeah. and say Mueller okay. has to go. Call me when it's done. Okay, now, the story on that very simply, number one, I was never going to fire Mueller. I never suggested firing Mueller. That's Do not I what he think, says. Excuse I don't care what he says. It doesn't matter. That was to show everyone what a good counsel he was. Now, he may have gotten confused with the fact that I've always said, and I said it to you and I said it to anybody that would listen, Robert Mueller was conflicted. But why would Don but we had a lie? Business why would he lie under oath? To do, why would he because lie he wanted to, to make Mueller. himself look like a good lawyer. Or, or he believed it because I would constantly tell anybody that would listen, including you, including the media, that Robert Mueller was conflicted. Robert Mueller had a total conflict and has to of go. interest. I never, I didn't say that. If I look, Article Two, I would be allowed to fire Robert Mueller. There was not assuming, assuming I did all of the things I said I want to fire him. Number one, I didn't. He wasn't fired. Okay. Number one, very importantly, but more importantly, Article Two allows me to do whatever I want. Article Two would have allowed me to fire him. So it sounds but like I wasn't going to fire. You know why? Because I watched Richard Nixon go around firing everybody, and that didn't work out too well. So, very simply, Article 2 would allow me to do it. Article 2 of the Constitution outlines the powers of the presidency. And the president's defenders argue he cannot commit obstruction of justice while exercising those powers. You talk about Article 2. So your position is that you can hire or fire anybody, stop or start That is the position of a lot of great lawyers. That's the position of some of the most talented lawyers. And you have to have a position like that because you're the president. But without even bringing up Article 2, which absolutely gives you every right. So a president can't obstruct justice. A president can run the country. And that's what happened, George. I run the country and I run it well. When the president does it, it's not illegal? I'm just saying a president under Article 2 is very strong. Read it. Do you have Article 2? Read it. You know what's funny about that mm. is that he contradicts himself in some ways, or not really contradicts. He says, he spin, listen, he talks yeah. in circles. Right, yeah. because yeah. he says, okay, no, I didn't want to fire Robert Mueller, but even if I did, I can do it because un under Article 2. So he wants his cake and eat it, too. It's, it's actually fascinating. Instead of just saying, listen, I didn't want to fire him. Don McGahn's a liar. No, but and just in case, Article 2. Wait, he's clearly trying to have it both ways, right? Yep. He, he's insisting that he didn't do what McGahn and others have said he did, um, but saying that, that he could if he wanted to. And then at the end there, I mean, leaving you know, very clearly not answering George's question about whether or not he thinks a president uh, essentially you know, has this broad legal authority to, to even obstruct, that, it, that it's not illegal if the president does it. Uh, Trump notably not answering that. But it's also interesting, going back to what I said earlier about the things that he was bringing up, yeah. he brought up Nixon. I mean, that was certainly a comparison that we could have made. But to hear him say, I saw what happened to Richard Nixon, 
whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah, all very of a clear that he does not want to go down in the history books in the same way that Nixon did. Um, totally. And that that is what's influencing some of his decision making is you're right. Absolutely fascinating. Totally. And but now but there's other sides, though. He does seem. But Robert Mueller does get under his skin, right? You I think? Mean, <laughs> I mean, and even though he, but he in one breath would say there's no collusion and no this and feel vindicated, he still can't let it go. And I just don't know why. I think, I think it has to do with the fact that, I mean, listen, he knows things that live in infamy and he knows that, you know, for him, it's the legacy, it's the brand. And he is continually said, he didn't say as much in the, in this interview, but he has said it in prior interviews, that the Mueller investigation, the Mueller report has been a dark cloud hanging over his presidency. And he believes that. And, and the fact that it's still there, it's still being talked about. Uh, Democrats wanted to bring Mueller up there, keep the probe going. He knows that. And that irks him to no end. He's never going to be able to escape it. Uh, He just has to find a way to move past it. And the question is whether or not he's going to be able to do that. Um, And it's interesting because on one hand, his administration, Democrats feel, you know, that that the Trump administration, that they're goading Democrats to try to impeach, that that he's the one who's trying to keep up this conversation in some ways by not complying with all of their requests for subpoenas, not letting people come and testify, all of that. But on the other hand, the president is clearly trying to move past it. So which is it? You know, does he want them to impeach him? Does he want to keep this conversation going or does he want to move on to other issues and why do you think he did this interview john you spent a lot of time trying to get this interview and you booked it what was the motive i think that the motive here was that there had been a recognition um amongst many of his senior staff that we've got to get out of the fox news bubble um he has only done interviews with friendly media he did the lester holt interview in 2017 that's two years ago um he's done little things with us in cbs he did something uh with george in singapore around the north korea summit but it was small he did something with cbs around uh, the helsinki summit with putin um but they knew that now going into the election the way donald trump won in 2016 is that starting in June 2015, he flooded the zone. There was a Trump interview every single day. I know because I had to deal with it. Um, They were phoners. They were coming up to the tower. So this is the beginning of a new trend. You know, ironically, we had the first interview in 2015 when the president launched his campaign. I think we had the first of this relaunch, which he's set to do down in Florida. Yeah. And the timing here can't be ignored, right? He's about to ramp up his uh, re-election campaign. He knows he has to be speaking not just to his supporters, but to a broader audience. And look, it seems like he enjoyed it. He says he wants to do more network interviews. At least that's what he tweeted the other day. But but I think you're absolutely right. He knows he's got to start looking beyond uh, sort of his usual bubble. And here. the other thing I would just note is that, you know, he knows that the machinery to dominate the zone of Twitter every morning is getting stale. People are not buying into it the way they He's once were. He's got to mix were. it up. He's got to mix it up. And from what I heard from AIDS, Chris, over the last several days, is that the fact that he got to see himself physically on television going back and forth with George, he likes that. He likes feeling like the show's focused on him. There's nothing better to Donald Trump than to see flipping the channels and he's on every single one. That's what he loved in 2016. It was clearly effective for him, many would argue. So that's what I think we're going to see now. Well, and also I found it compelling in the special on Sunday that those people, the voters in Iowa, you know, his supporters were saying who like him Mm -hmm. were saying they don't like the Twitter. They don't like the attacks on Twitter. 
So maybe this is the Trump maybe they want to see. Maybe it's not a politique, but at least he's making his case the way he wants to. I mean, and, and and so I'm sure that resonates with him. I'm maybe maybe not. Who knows? I don't know if that means he's going to cut out the tweets, though. Because <clears throat> no. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't get your hopes up on that side. No, but I think now you're going to see a different uh, a different tact. I think it's not just going to be fighting back on Twitter or just calling the press pool in for the occasional event to talk or chat as I'm going out to the helicopter. He's going to try to create more moments that he dominates the field. Okay, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take a view from the hill. Welcome back to The Investigation. I'm senior executive producer Chris Vlasto, and I'm joined here by John Santucci and senior congressional correspondent Mary Bruce. Over the weekend, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was on her first Sunday show, and she was talking about impeachment. Let's hear what she had to say. So what's your sense? You, you watched that whole interview play out. Does this change the calculus on impeachment? Well, I think every day that passes, the pressure to impeach grows. And I think that it's justifiable. I think the evidence continues to come in. And I believe that with the president now saying that he is willing to break the law to win re-election, um, that, that goes, that transcends partisanship. It transcends party lines. And this is now about the rule of law in the United States of America. Mary, what do you think about AOC? I mean, do you think congressional Democrats are grasping at straws or just wishing for impeachments. Do you think the calculus has changed at all? Well, I do think she is right that every single day the pressure is building on Democratic leaders and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Um, the president's comments to our George Stephanopoulos last week ratcheted up the pressure even more, him saying that he would be open. He would take a listen if a foreign adversary came to him with dirt on one of his opponents in 2020. All of these things uh, do increase the pressure. The, the issue here is that Nancy Pelosi is listening. She hears that. She's occasionally throwing some red meat to the base and to the Democrats in her caucus who are calling for impeachment. But she's also making very clear that she's not budging. She's not changing her calculus no matter what the president says. And in fact, I asked her this exact question last week. Based on what she heard from the president in our interview with George, Does why is she not moving to impeach? And she said, look, one single comment is not all of a sudden going to change her game plan. She is insisting that they continue to, quote, follow the facts. That's what you continue to hear her say over and over and over again. And she is ultimately, it seems, hoping that the best way to beat this president is at the ballot box, not through impeachment. That is not what uh, many progressives like AOC want to hear. It's not what a growing number of Democrats want to hear. But it is also important, I think, for us to point out the numbers. You now have a, a little more than 60, I believe, House Democrats who are calling for impeachment. That is not enough of a critical mass on the Hill to force Pelosi's hand. Just yet. So if it's not one statement that's going to change her direction at the moment, what will? Because the committees so far have been moving rather slowly. I mean, there's only been the one blockbuster hearing. We've talked about this ad nauseum, just Michael Cohen. Uh, We know that Hope Hicks, uh, the president's longtime personal aide, is going up to the Hill this week. That's going to be another. I mean, we've lost count, Mary. How many closed door hearings has there been? A lot. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, what are they trying to do? Because if you think about the activists out there that are pushing for impeachment. Uh, we had Tom Steyer on here a long time ago, and he mm-hmm. was saying, you've got to build people up and you've got to do something in public. Mm-hmm. 
Why aren't they doing anything for the viewer to see? Well, they are. They're trying, right, to build a compelling case. And it's why last week, for instance, we saw Democrats on the Hill have this hearing uh, with some of those stars from another political era. They brought up John Dean and some other uh, others. Another were era, Mary. That was like five decades ago. Five decades ago. <laughs> another political scandal. I was um, the only person alive. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one reachable. <laughs> but 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 they that is because, of course, they can't get the blockbuster hearing that they want, right? Democrats wanted Mueller to come up and testify. They wanted that big public airing of the Mueller report, and they're not going to get it. And that's because this administration is doing a very good job, Democrats will say, of stonewalling all of their requests. So it makes it hard for Democrats as they try to build this case publicly. But what they are still doing is trying to build a compelling case against the president. To your question, Jonia, what is it going to take? Well, Democrats have made very clear it's going to take two things, public buy-in and bipartisan support. And those are two incredibly tall orders. Was it a Quinnipiac poll that came out last week? Yeah. That basically said 60% of the American people are not supporting impeachment. Isn't that what Nancy Pelosi is looking at? I'm, I'm sure, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that, if that plays a role. And, and remember, overshadowing all of this is the political risk of impeachment. And uh, our John Carl asked Ocasio-Cortez about this uh, on the Sunday show. We need to at least open an inquiry so that we can look at what is going on. And that is what opening an an impeachment inquiry means. Isn't there a risk, and I know I take your point about not wanting to do this for politics, but politics Mm -hmm. are very real here. Absolutely. Um, if, If even if you open the inquiry, there's a vote, the president is impeached, obviously he would still have to be uh, convicted uh, in in the sem- in the Senate with a supermajority, that's not going to happen. Right. right. Um, so don't don't you risk handing him a political victory here? So I think there's a couple of scenarios here. One, there's always the possibility that you open an impeachment inquiry and it does not result in a referral. Mm-hmm. That we open the inquiry. Wouldn't that be a victory? For look at everything. Trump too, though. I think that this is about us doing our jobs. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about what's going to be a victory for Trump and what's not going to be a victory for Trump, then we are politicizing and we are tainting this process, which should, again, should be removed from politics. That being said, Lindsey Graham himself set a very low bar for impeachment in 1998, in the late 90s, with the impeachment of Bill Clinton. That impeachment did not result in a vote by the Senate. But I think for us, what we need to really realize is, are we doing our job as a member of the House? And the Senate has their entire responsibility. Mitch McConnell has over 100 bills. He hasn't brought election security to his feet. And let's not forget that he's involved in this mess, too. His his wife, uh, uh, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, just was revealed by The New York Times for having uh, a whole web of of potential conflict of interest. And as it relates to bringing uh, projects to Kentucky as well, I mean, there's a whole other separate set of issues in the Senate. But I think we need to be concerned with our job in the House. So what do you make of all that? I mean, does she have a point, Mary? Well, there are a couple different things to unpack here, right? Uh, She's making the argument that Democrats, and she is in good company in thinking this, that that, that they have a responsibility, that they should be holding this president accountable. And if that means moving to impeach, then so be it. The problem is you can't ignore the politics of all of this. There there is no political vacuum in which this is occurring. And while she's trying to draw a distinction between launching an impeachment inquiry, even if it doesn't ultimately lead to impeachment because you're never going to get Republicans in the Senate on board, the problem is that the second you go ahead and use that word officially, you launched that impeachment inquiry, 
I don't know if the public draws a distinction. And you can't put that back in the box. And politically, it is going to be seen as if Democrats are impeaching the president. And the concern from Democratic leaders is that that is a political gift to the president. There is an argument on both sides, right? While while Democratic leaders are very scared that this could politically backfire on them, there's also a question of, well, hey, if this is going to energize the Republican base, couldn't it just as easily energize the Democratic base as well? And do Democrats have a responsibility, given what they see as mounting evidence against this president, to do what Nancy Pelosi has said and follow where those facts lead, even if that is impeachment in a politically risky presidential election? But isn't it, and this is my last question to you, Mary, but isn't it true there aren't really any new facts to come? Well, don't we know everything and then the rest is just theater? I don't think we can say that for sure. We don't know everything. Um, there certainly are a lot of questions that came out of the Mueller report that still uh, have yet to be answered. We saw George Stephanopoulos posing many of those questions to the president in his interview. And Democrats say there is still a lot for them to unpack. They just don't want to go ahead and use that I word until they're they're done unpacking some more of that. Well, thank you both very much. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to hit subscribe, leave us a rating or a comment. We welcome your feedback. Thanks to our producers, Trevor Hastings, Caitlin Fulmer, Emily Wachowski, and we'll see you back here next week on another episode of The Investigation.